Thanks for joining us. To keep up with the latest news and podcasts, visit www.propelchurchaz.com. Now get ready for a great message from Pastor Jason. If you would, if you pull out your Bibles and pull out your island, uh, your islands, your outlines, <laughs> pull out your island. I'm thinking vacation, right? I don't know. <laughs> pull out your outlines, and uh, if you'd silent your phone at this time, and uh, if you want to go to the Uversion notes, uh, feel free to. We can put them on there online as well, have them digitally. And we're going to finish this series today, hashtag the struggle is real. Sometimes it's a struggle just to get words out of your mouth, right? But my prayer is that every one of us would continue to resolve conflict in a way that is honoring God when it comes to our relationships. And I hope this series has been an encouragement to all of us as we all encounter conflict in our lives. And the struggle with conflict is real within our lives, but with Christ and the truth of God's word, we can overcome any conflict. That's the reality of it. God set us up for success, but we just have to apply the word to our lives, even in the area of conflict. And so today we're going to conclude this series looking at the fact that we overcome evil with good. We overcome evil with good. Within every moment of conflict, there is an opportunity to do good. When others do or say something wrong towards us, we don't have to join in and retaliate. We don't have to overcome evil with evil, but we overcome evil with good, Scripture says. And that's really God's heart and plan for us, even when the other person continues to do wrong towards us. If we don't see a change in their response or in their part of the conversation and relationship, we can still do good. Peacemaker Ministry says, if the person with whom you're in conflict is not willing to go through these steps, be sure to stay the course yourself. Meaning we still have a part, we still have a role, we still have a responsibility as believers to honor God in resolving conflict the way that would be honoring to him. And there will be times that the other person is not willing or humble enough to resolve conflict according to God's ways. It doesn't mean that we give up and we give in to the conflict in those moments. It means that we need to continue to honor God and we continue to love and forgive the other person. That's right. And when we do that, God will always take care of us. That's right. Amen. He's faithful to help us in that journey. He's helped us to, to faithful to help us in living in peace, always. even in the midst of conflict. And he will honor us for our faithfulness to him. That's who God is. And so we've looked at verse 18 of Romans 12 in previous weeks. But today I want us to look at the surrounding verses verses to see how we overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 17 through 21 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so Paul makes it very clear for us here in in this last verse that we read, in verse 21, he said, we must guard ourselves from becoming entangled in conflict. 
He says, don't, do not be overcome by evil. We have to guard ourselves from becoming entangled in conflict. In other words, don't get caught up in what others do to us. Don't become entangled with what they say to us. Don't give in to what the devil wants, which is to stir up conflict within us and within our relationships. He wants to bring in the chaos into our lives. So we can't give in to that. We can't be overcome by the evil actions of other people. We have to overcome the evil by doing good. And so instead we have to guard ourselves from becoming drawn into or becoming entangled in conflict. We have to guard our hearts and our minds from thinking evil thoughts or wanting to get back at them. As the scripture says. And not only would that be wrong, but conflict will not be resolved if we're trying to get revenge. It never works. If we always have to get even with others or to seek revenge, we will never resolve any conflict. The conflict will only continue to escalate to the point where we receive hurt or the other person receives hurt and it damages the relationship. And not only is it wrong and a sin to get revenge, but scripture is clear. We're to leave room for God to deal with the other person's actions, their words, their attitudes, and their motives. It's God's responsibility to avenge our wrong. It's his responsibility to repay according to his divine wisdom and righteousness. It's not our responsibility because we won't get it right. We know we think we can get it right, but we will never get it right in trying to repay someone for what they've done to us. And you you gotta understand that God does a much better job at fighting our battles for us than we could ever do so. And if we get revenge, we don't leave room for God to take care of the situation. And if we do overstep our bounds, God says, okay, you've taken matters into your own hands. So now I'm not gonna deal with the situation with that person in such and such a way because you didn't leave it to me. And sometimes in our life, if we've acted out in revenge or that way, we wonder, well, God, where are you then? Why didn't you take care of this? Why didn't you take care of that person? Why didn't you help them to see the error of their ways? Or why, don't, why do they just go on continuing to be happy? And look what, they, look what they've done towards me. It's because possibly that we've overstepped our bounds and we've not left room for God to step in and take care of it. That's right, amen. We've not left it up to God to repay where it needs to be repaid. And so we must guard ourselves from becoming entangled in conflict and to not seek or pursue revenge. Instead, God expects us to do good to others who are in conflict with us. God's plan and desire is always for us to do good towards those who stir up conflict with us. We don't give in and retaliate, but instead we find ways to do what Jesus would do. To not shy away from that person or to keep our distance, but to find a need and meet it. Now, I understand there are times that sometimes we do need to create space and guarding ourselves from toxic relationships. I'm not saying that. I don't believe scripture is saying that we can't guard ourselves in that way. But for most conflicts and for most opportunities, there are ways for us to show God's love. There are ways for us that we can do good to them in the midst of conflict or after the fact that would reveal God's love to them. And Paul said here, he said, if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them a drink or whatever it is that we could possibly do to help them by doing good and not getting back at them. 
In other words, there are small ways, there's practical ways that we can show God's love and do good towards a person that is trying to stir up conflict with us. And when we do good to them and when we do what Jesus would do, Scripture says we heap burning coals on their heads. In other words, we bring conviction to their actions, to their words. Of doing good and it brings conviction to their lives and it gives God the opportunity to avenge as he sees fit. It gives him the opportunity to work into their lives and their their situations to see the error of their ways. And as another part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, I want to read another section this week. In Matthew 5, 43 through 48, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus made it clear that we must love and pray for those who come against us in conflict. When others oppose us or try to stir up conflict, we're supposed to love and pray for them. We can't just love and pray for those who love us, Jesus said. We can't love our neighbor and hate our enemies, but we're called to love our enemies as well. To love those that persecute us or make it difficult for us in conflict. Why? Because we're called to be children of God, he said. He said we're called to be like our Heavenly Father, to take on His nature by loving like He would love. Wow. That's huge. And then he said it's easy to love others that love us, but the greater reward is we, that we receive is when we love our enemies. Amen. That's the goal. Is what Jesus was saying. And so we're called to love and go beyond our own people. We're go- called to love and go beyond just our, our close circle of friends. Our comfort zone to say, okay, I'm going to love these people. Jesus said, no, you've got to go beyond that. You need to even go to your enemies. When those try to, who try to stir up persecution or they try to stir up conflict in your life, you need to love them. That's right. You need to pray for them. And then Jesus said, be perfect in your love as your heavenly father is perfect in loving people. God's love is perfect. It drives and casts away all fear, Scripture says. So we must love people the way God loves them, and we have to love and pray for our enemies. This should be a part of what we pray, or in other words, this should be a part of our prayer for those that stir up conflict with us. We need to pray that God would soften their heart to repentance. A lot of times, we just pray, God, take care of the situation. But we need to be specifically praying that God grab a hold of their hearts and lives. If they don't know you, Jesus, help them to come and know you. If they're a believer, God, help them to be softened in their heart, to come to a place of humility, to see the error of their ways. If we truly love our enemies, then we're going to pray that God would soften their hearts to repent of their wrongdoing. Because God wants us to pray for our enemy's heart to be open up to the truth of their wrongdoing towards us and God so that they would repent before him and us. God is the one who grants repentance. That's what scripture says. 
In other words, repentance is a gift from God, and this is what Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 through 26. He says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. Verse 25 says, opponents or enemies must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So first of all here, Paul says, don't get involved with foolish and stupid or petty arguments. Wow. Wow. I'm guilty of that at times in my life, right? I mean, we all get caught up into that sometimes. Why? Because they produce quarrels, meaning it doesn't stop. It's just a breeding ground for conflict in foolish and stupid arguments. And so we have to not be quarrelsome, but we have to be kind to everyone. Scripture says God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. We have to be kind the way God is kind. We have to be able to teach others so that we're not resentful because of our own wrong actions in working through conflict. And Paul's saying in this passage that our job is to honor God by responding the right way. In other words, we respond to conflict in the right way by honoring God. When we seek to honor God, then we will always look to him to find out how can we resolve conflict in this way, in this situation. And he says here, we need to gently instruct others of their wrongdoing towards us. And through our prayers for their hearts to be softened, our hope should be that God will grant them repentance by leading them to the truth in the error of their ways. That always needs to be our hope. Not just God take care of them. God wipe them out. God do whatever you want to do. But God, the ultimate hope is that you would get a hold of their hearts and lives. That you you take the blinders off their eyes so that they could see the truth. God, that you would grant them repentance. God, it's a gift from you. When you and I have repented of our sins, when we first came to Christ, and even beyond that, throughout our, our relationship with Jesus, when we've sinned, God's repentance is a gift to us. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. That we're not stuck in our sin, but God goes here. I want to show you something different. I want you to see a different perspective in how you were wrong here. And God's grace and mercy and forgiveness comes in when we repent of that. Wow, that's how good he is. And that's what he wants for all of our relationships, even those that may be opposing us and stirring up conflict. We have to pray that they would come to their senses, that they would escape the trap of the devil in the conflict that he has them in. That That they would escape the the trap of the devil and how they want to stir up conflict for others. That's why it's our responsibility and our job to honor God by responding to the conflict the way God would. That's right. To love and pray for them. That's right. To help meet a need. To help show them God's love. And when we do this, we can live in the Lord's peace knowing that it's God's job to change people. That's right. Amen. God's job is to change people. Many times we try to take on God's responsibility and job to change people, don't we? We try to control or manipulate them into doing the right thing. Like, hey, if you do this, I'll do this, but you need to do the right thing. 
Maybe we even try to do that with our kids. Like, hey, if you just be quiet right now, I'll give you this. I'm trying to manipulate you into doing something here. But sometimes we overstep our bounds and we try to take on God's responsibility in others when we come in conflict. And we try to control or manipulate them. And, but that's not what God has asked us to do. That's, right, amen. that's not what he's called us to. He's asked us to love and pray for them. That's to show them love, to try to meet a need because we can't do anything in our power to change people. Amen. Only God can. That's right. And he has the power and the wisdom to get a hold of people's hearts and lives to completely change them. That's right. That's good. To, to draw them in into a right place, whether with him or with us, and bring them to a place of repentance. And so it's so crucial for us as believers to learn this, to understand this, to, to know this and remind ourselves of our role in conflict and then God's role and responsibility in resolving conflict. That's right. In verse 14 of Romans 12, Paul says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Understand that we have to guard our heart by blessing and not mistreating others. We have to guard our hearts and lives from getting entangled in conflict by blessing others. When we bless them, we are seeking to do good towards their life. We have no ill will or bad intentions, negative intentions towards them. But in turn, instead, we bless them. We want them to receive God's blessing and his, in their lives. And Paul says, bless those who persecute us. Bless those who come against us or who try to stir up conflict with us. That's not easy. That's not easy. And that's where we need the Lord's help to be able to see them as God does. Amen. To be able to have love for them beyond the initial or the momentary conflict that we're in. To see them for who they really are. Is that they are a person, a man or a woman of God who God has created them with a plan and purpose. And maybe they don't know him yet in that personal relationship. But God wants to use you, even in the conflict, to show them his love through you. And who he is as God. And so we have to give God that opportunity. So we, we bless them and don't curse them. To curse someone means to really to mistreat them. To treat them like the devil would. Instead of the way God wants us to. Again, we don't get back at others. Or we don't mistreat them. But we love and do good to them. That's God's heart. That's God's plan. In resolving conflict. And as we leave the other person in God's hands, we are leaving the door open for reconciliation and for showing goodness to them. Because when we show goodness to them, when we do good things towards them, it protects us against bitterness. It guards our heart and our mind from bitter thoughts, from becoming angry, from allowing bitterness to settle into our life in any area. So we must pray for the person and then second, we guard our heart from getting involved with conflict by doing good. The next thing is in Proverbs 13, 20, where Solomon says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Amen. This is a key part that we sometimes forget when it comes to resolving conflict. We must stay connected to godly counsel. That's right. <laughs> the world and the culture around us is loud. Right? They tell us to get even or to get revenge. We see it on social media all the time. 
And the world says to engage in conflict and take the other person out with our words and with our actions. The world says to stand up for your rights or take them to court. But this is where we must have godly people in our lives, especially in the midst of conflict. We need to seek out godly believers as our closest friends because they're the ones that will give us the advice that we need to hear, not what we want to hear. And there's a difference. Our ears in our flesh want to hear something like, man, you need to stand up for your rights here. You can take them to court and you'd win. A sure case. But that's not necessarily, not, not, not necessarily what God wants, right. according to scripture even. And so we have to be honoring to the Lord and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? God, let me, let me be connected to godly counsel in my life. Someone who is an outsider's perspective, perspective not to go and gossip about the situation because we should not do that. But we seek confidence with someone to say, hey, I'm going through a situation and this is what's happening. This is what's been done. What should I do? I know what God's word says, but what, what do I need to do here? And give that person the freedom to say, you know what? I know you may feel like this and you may want to do this, but God's word says this and you need to do this. Because if you do this, this is where you're going to see the blessing of God. If you follow this path, you're not going to see God's blessing. And that we all need that in our lives, godly wisdom. That's why it's so important to stay connected to the local church. That's right, yeah. To stay connected to Propel because when we come in consistently week after week or we're coming to our Propel groups and we're getting plugged in and we're doing life together, we are opening up our lives to God's wisdom and, and godly counsel That's right. That's right. so that he would help us, God would help us through the body of Christ to make right decisions and to give us a safe place right. to walk through and resolving conflict in our lives. Going back to Romans 12 again and looking at verse 17, Paul said, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. In other words, even when evil or wrongdoing is done to us, we must continue to do what is right. That's right. Continue to do what God's word says. Continue to do what he wants us to do. We have to be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That's a, that's a key part right there. Sometimes we're looking at, well, I know. I'm the only one that knows what's going on. So I'm going to do what's right here in this moment. But we have to remember that we have to do everything right according to everyone else's eyes and vision. First of all, it starts with God. What does God see? Because he knows everything on the inside as well as the outside. He knows the words. He knows the thoughts. He knows the actions. He knows everything. He sees every single detail. We can't fool God. We can't pass one over on him. And so we got to make sure that we're doing, first of all, that again, it starts in our, our relationship is right here first before we can resolve anything here. Second thing is that we, we got to look at our enemy's eyes or who we're having conflict. How do they view our actions? How do they hear what we're saying? If we're truly trying to show God's love to them, then our actions of love and doing what is right will bring conviction to them. And third, because others and observers are always watching what we do and say, what do they see us doing or saying? That's why it's so important to have, again, godly counselor, godly believers around us to go, you know, what do you think? You've seen me in this situation. How have my responses been? How have been my 
words or my actions? Could this have been mistaken? Did I act out inappropriately here? And if so, if they say, well, you know, you, now that you mention it, yeah, I kind of see that, then we need to make that right, right between us and God and then between the other person. Right. We have to continue to do what's right, especially in the eyes of everyone. We have to be careful with everything we do because others are always watching, even when we think they're not watching. That's right. That's right. Even the world is watching how we live. We call ourselves... A Christian, which means Christ-like, but are we truly Christ-like in, it, in our lives, even in, in the area of resolving conflict? I want to look again then in closing at Romans chapter 12, verses 20 and 21. Paul says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So in closing this message today and in closing out this series, we must never forget that when it comes to the conflicts that we have, our greatest weapon to combat conflict is focused love. That's our greatest weapon. Why? Because that's the weapon that God used uh, on us to overcome our sinful lifestyle. That's the weapon that God used to win us over to him. It was through love. He sent Jesus because he loved the world. He couldn't love the world anymore. You see, love is the strongest governing force in the world. Love conquers all, according to scripture. And if we've been changed by God's love, then his love, God's love will empower us to love others. And we don't love others in our own strength. We love others through God's love and his power and strength. And so we need to continually show focused love through Christ living in us when it comes to conflict. His love helps us to love our enemies. His love helps us to meet our enemies' real life needs. Maybe in a practical way. And we don't just resist evil by doing good, but we overcome evil by doing good. Amen. Understand, again, that unexpected and undeserved love can break down the toughest of hearts. That's right, that's right. At first, when we begin to show love to that person that is stirring up conflict with us, they may keep that tough exterior on the outside. They may try to keep up the act of, I'm gonna stir up more conflict. I'm gonna keep saying what I'm, I wanna say to get at you. I may try to do something to, in my actions to try to get back at you because they're, they're looking for that response to, uh, for us to retaliate. And to seek revenge. Because the enemy's behind that. And when we don't do that, when we don't engage in conflict in that way, but we choose to show focused love in their thoughts and in their heart, they're beginning to think, what's different about this person? Why is that when I get back at them or I try to continue to say or do things to them that all they do in response is be kind to me? Show mercy, to show love. And it's that love, it's God's love in operation through us that confronts the person. And it heaps the burning coals. It brings conviction for them, to, for God to be able to work in their hearts and lives and to remove the blinders to see, man, I'm wrong in my ways. All I'm doing is trying to get, do bad things towards them. And yet, 
All they do is show love back. That's, right. That's, right. That's God's way. Amen. That's perfect love. That's right. According to what we read this morning. And there are times that that person may never come back and repent. They may never be softened in that moment to the point of surrendering their heart and asking for forgiveness. And, but we can know, we can keep our heads held high and know that we've honored God. That's right, amen. That's good. Jesus lived this out, right? Even when he was standing there before Pilate and they were accusing him and Jesus didn't say anything in his defense because he knew out of his love not only for the Father's will and to do accomplish the Father's will, but his love for us of what he needed to do. So he kept his mouth quiet so that we could have salvation, that we could have eternal life, that we could have abundant life, that we could have salvation and healing and wholeness in our lives, that all the chains could be broken because of what Christ did. And so he knew that. And so he went through all of the whippings and the beatings and and the name calling and the spitting and the crown of thorns and going to the cross because of his love for us. That's the type of love that God has. That's the type of God that we serve. That's the type of love that he is in our life. And that's the type of love that he's called us to. That's right. To not seek revenge, but to show love and to pray for our enemies. My encouragement is as we close this series is that, again, every one of us will continue to resolve conflict the way that God desires according to the truth of God's word. Let's guard ourselves from engaging in conflict. And instead, we should love and pray for our enemies. We need to do good to them. Seek ways where we can show God's goodness and kindness to them. We need to forgive them and seek to resolve any conflict that we have. Why? So that Jesus shines through every part of our life and that we can live in the peace of God no matter what we walk through. I encourage you in closing here that we're not just hearers of the word over this series, but we're doers of the word and applying God's word to our hearts and lives in resolving conflict. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?